to the Mastering College Podcast, a guide to landing your dream job. I'm your host, Daniel Botero, and my goal is to help you take away that fear of graduating without a job and instead teach you how to land your dream job. Welcome back to this episode of the podcast. Today I have a very special guest. I have Leslie Miserak. She's the founder of Miserak Executive Coaching. And I'm very excited to have Leslie on this podcast because she is someone that I admire to be. She's very passionate, caring, and loving individual. And she's full of knowledge. And you will notice in this podcast how her passion about talking about the topic that we will explore will translate and you can hear in her voice. So I am extra excited for this episode. So without further ado, Leslie, how are you today? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so excited (laughs) to be here, Daniel. Thank you for having me. Leslie, I know that this is one of the rare times that I actually invite a guest on the podcast without having a specific topic in mind. I just want to let you know that. Okay. And the reason is because I just knew that... the topic wasn't that important because I knew no matter what topic we ended up deciding to talk about, it was going to be great content for the student just because I know how knowledgeable and how passionate you are about what you do and what you do with your career. So before we dive into the topic, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and a little bit of what you do? Sure. That's a little stream of consciousness today, huh? <laughs> okay. Um, so I am an executive coach. I also am a leadership coach. So I focus on leadership development um, for people who have a drive to be the best leaders possible. And um, also, I spend a great deal of my time talking with people about their careers and how they get to where they want to go, what their career goals look like, and help them figure out paths and activities they can do to really move themselves in a direction they want to be in their career or the direction they want to be as a leader. And so I give you a little bit more background. I asked Leslie and I said, if you could speak on any topic, think about speaking in front of 200 students, what would that be? And Leslie, what did you answer? I said developing a plan, putting a plan together, putting it in place. And then starting to work on that plan. And I don't know if Leslie knew, but um, other times that I do workshops in front of universities, I talk about my three-step program. And I don't know if Leslie knew, but I have it's called it's the three A's: assess, acquire, and apply. And the first part, even though it might be thirty-three percent of it, is one of them being assessed. I spent half of my workshop on the assess part, and it's about creating a plan because you could be going hundred miles per hour. But if you're going in the wrong direction, then all that speed was, mm-hmm. in a way, in a way, not used to its full potential. So when you told me that you wanted to talk about creating a plan, I really lit up and I was so happy because I mean, I knew this, that is a topic that I wanted to have on the podcast, but I wanted to save it for the right person. So I had no objections of talking about this topic with you. So. Tell us a little bit why you chose the topic. Why is it so important for college students to have a plan? Well, I think it's important for anyone that really wants to build what I call that empowerful career, one where you really empowered and inspired yourself to achieve something. And um, yeah, happy accidents happen, but quite often 
the opportunity is to just build this plan and think about where it is you want to go. Otherwise, you will just end up wherever you end up. Um, so while I may not plan every part of my life, I do am very planful about career as well as my clients. They're planful around where they want to go. And it's just super exciting to be able to put something in place. And it doesn't mean it's static. It's totally dynamic because opportunities will come along um, that it's okay to go outside of your plan or change the direction yeah. of your plan. But when we don't have a plan, we often just end up wherever we end up. So Leslie, let me ask you a question. What is the difference between having goals and having a plan? Or is there a difference? Well, there's probably a definition difference, but I think um, when you have a plan, you put some goals in place to build upon that plan. I think a good plan has kind of those goals that you're working towards, um, in my mind. And the goals being aligned then. The goals could be should be completely aligned. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And then, so let me ask you a question. Where should a student start in terms of creating a plan? How much of them have been self-aware how crucial is being self-aware to creating a plan? Yeah, so that self-awareness is really huge. Daniel, if you could only see the list sitting right here in front of me, and uh, it, you can see it, but it's not—it's uh, all chicken scratch. But I think you have to know where you're at before you can really figure out where it is you want to go. So knowing yourself. So I have a few things on my on my list, um, and it starts with describing your current situation. Where are you right in this moment? Um, who are you? What are your strengths? What do you naturally do best? Um, how are you using those strengths? And then how can you continue to develop those strengths? Because those strengths are what carries you forward. Those strengths and talents that you have are really why people hire you. So you're essentially uh, suggesting of conducting a SWOT analysis on yourself. Basically, that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And, and how do personality tests, distance assessments, or even Myers-Briggs kind of tests play into this types of um, creating a plan? Yeah, I think they're really valuable. They shouldn't be the only thing that takes you in a career because there's so much more to where you go in your professional life than what your personality might be or your preferences. Um, but I think it's one of those, they're one of those great tools to help you Think about who you are and what excites you, what really brings you energy at the end of the day. And so things like Myers-Briggs and DISC are great for that to understand how you like to communicate, how you like to interact with people, um, potentially how you think. There's things like StrengthsFinder, which is a great tool, and I use it quite a bit with clients, um, around, you know, what is it that I just really enjoy doing? What is What are those strengths? Am I an analytical? Am I a people person? Do I like to woo others? What is it that comes out through those assessments? So they're an opportunity to do a little bit of eye-opening, so to speak. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how does that differ for a student versus somebody who's been in the professional field maybe a couple of years? Yeah, they, they don't differ at all because they're, they tell you where you're at in the moment um, now, you may find, they say with DISS and Myers-Briggs, that, that shouldn't change much over your life, especially Myers-Briggs. Um, but the um, things like strengths finders will change as you start doing different things and learning new things in your professional world. And um, so those will change over time. I know my strengths finder has changed, gosh, over 10 years. It's changed a little bit. A couple of the factors have changed. But, for example, my Myers-Briggs has been 
uh, the same since I first took it many, many, many years ago. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything, um, I guess my, my, my next question would be more aligns of when you're coaching, you know, different people in their career, what are, where do they go? Like, so they, do they start with the personality test or is there other thing they should be doing before they start doing that part of the self-assessment? Yeah, usually those types of things will go towards the beginning, but it depends on what their goals are. You know, every assessment, so to speak, should be aligned to what it is you want to do. So the first really starts off with where do, what do you want to do, mm -hmm. what, what are you looking for? Um, but quite often those assessments will happen towards the beginning because you're still in that space where you're trying to figure out who you are and what it is you like, what you bring to the table, so that you can start to... Um, develop out the rest of your plan. What other uh, advice, I guess, would you have? I know you have a lot of notes, and I'm probably, you're very knowledgeable on this subject, in terms of career planning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when you're, when you're thinking about career planning, you know, still kind of getting back to the what are people, what is, what is it about me, asking that question, what do people say about me? You know, what have people told me throughout my uh, college life that it, that I'm good at or that I shine at those sorts of things you know what have your professional accomplishments been so far even in college there are professional accomplishments that happen whether it's you know chairing a group it's managing a project being on a team for something those are all those are all professional accomplishments that you can start to put into place um, you know what have you learned about yourself would be other things and um, what are the things you really enjoyed throughout your college and work experience? What are, you know? What have been yeah. the activities that have brought you some sort of joy? So when I, when I teach them a lot as a student, I talk about you know, career plan. I talk about planning as a student, mm -hmm. and, I, and I, my goal through the program is to identify what is their dream job, mm -hmm. right? right? And I know that it's going to change, it's hard. and it's going to be very hard. But I want them to start narrowing down that list and. One of the things I, I talk about is having a sniper approach on job searching. I like that. Right? And so what happens now, what's most common, and I see this all the time, is that college students have a shotgun approach. They have one resume. They print 100 copies. They apply for every job that is hiring their major, that they meet the minimal qualifications for. But you can't be everything to all things. So you're much better at having a sniper approach. So... I do that part in the assess part about narrowing down, mm -hmm. you know, by industry, you know, and it really comes down to this. What are you good at? What are you passionate about? And where those two things meet, what jobs are available in those, mm -hmm. in those fields and what companies provide those jobs? Because I can be very passionate about basketball, but I am not, I'm, I'm five foot nine, right? And so there's some limitations, and the odds of me getting into the NBA are very slim to none. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be realistic to myself. Um, so it's about not only finding what you, you enjoy, right, and, but it's also is what you're passionate about, what you're good at, and then where does that intercept. Mm -hmm. And so that's my belief, but what are your thoughts on what, what do you think you know, could be different, or what, do you, what would you like to add to that? Yeah, no, I think you're spot on, and... Um we all have to have some reality. I, too, will not uh, ever be in the NBA. 
um, we could watch at five three, but we could yeah. Watch, yeah, we could go to the sports <laughs> bar and watch it together in a in a heartbeat. Um, that said, I think you do have to know you know where your passion is and what your purpose mm-hmm. is. You know, there are quite a few people in careers that have a calling. They are in that career because of a calling. You know, nurses, uh, teachers. Teachers do not get paid nearly enough, and most of them are in there because they had a teacher in their life that mm-hmm. really inspired them. So you know that that purpose is is really is really valuable. But you have to do you do have to look at the realities. You have to look at the realities around um, what it is you bring to the table, what you can do, and also you know what what area, what location are you in. If you're in a small town in Idaho, um, chances of working at one of the large advertising agencies in New York City is really going to be difficult unless you're ready to make that commitment to move to New York City. It's kind of knowing where the business is. So my following question to you is, this podcast is called Mastering College, A Guide to Landing Your Dream Mm -hmm. Job. But I want to be realistic. The odds of you landing your dream job right out of college are very slim. And so I don't want this podcast to be deceiving, but I wanted to make sure that that's the end goal in mind, Mm -hmm. right? So with career planning, how far should you be planning when you're talking about your career? Well, I, you know, I, I think you should, you should plan out as, I, I can't answer that exact question because I think it's going to be different for different people. But I think having kind of a big picture view of where you see yourself going is really valuable. Mm-hmm. And it should be less about the time that you want to achieve it. It should be more about, okay, I want to be the CEO of Walt Disney World. Okay then what does that look like? What what steps do you have to take to get there? So it should be less about the time and more about the position or the type of position that you're really looking for. Um, because the chances of getting that CEO of Walt Disney World, not that there is necessarily that position available, but getting that position right out of college is, uh, I would say, slim to none. Okay. Yeah, I think and, I have a better chance going to NBA. <laughs> there you go. But that opportunity is, is not necessarily to put a number to it because you might not make that. But put it out there in a less decisive way, if that makes any yeah. sense. Put it out there. This is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, you know, I'd like to see at the end of my career kind of being in a CEO role for a mid-size advertising agency. Yeah. Okay, not necessarily specific the exact job that you want at the exact company, but knowing where you want to go. And then the opportunity is to start to take those steps on how to get there. And, you know, you might have to start in the mailroom at an advertising agency or start doing social media marketing at, you know, a nonprofit somewhere. I I, I share students of identify what your dream job is mm-hmm. and then reverse engineer it. I, yes, I do like, that all the time. And really think about, so I'll give you guys an example. For me, I always said I either want to be a CEO of my own company or be CEO of a Fortune 500 company. So what I ended up doing when I was in college is that I would listen to every audiobook of every Fortune 500 CEO that was out there. And I found some common themes. And the majority, actually, to my uh, disbelief, was their GPA was a, a 3.0 GPA or lower. And I was like, perfect, I fit that mold. <laughs> but that's not really what I, what, I, what I learned. What I learned the most is that most of them came from the sales track. And that's, I think, a big decision why I decided to go into the professional selling program because I realized that nothing happens until something is sold and a lot of the CEOs get there through the sales track. Mm-hmm. 
And there's also a lot of research out there saying that it's not so much about the IQ, but much EQ. more about that EQ. It's much more about how they connect with people. So quite often, while salespeople move up or take on some larger roles, is they have that ability to connect with others. They can connect the dots between what is being sold and what someone wants or what their pain point is. And they can sell it. They can tell a story around it. They're probably more collaborative. They're connected to what's happening. Whereas someone that might be kind of an internal and accounting role or an engineering role, you might be really focused on what you're doing there. But if being that CEO is your goal down the road, you have to branch outside. You might have to take backward moves in another department. You might have to take lateral moves in other departments. It may not be just going straight up a career ladder. It might be taking sideways steps and really broadening your horizons. Yeah. So let me ask you, let's talk about a little a, a scenario. A student graduates, they're working for their dream company. What can a student do so that when they go into the company, they are positioned to have a, a, a brighter career, like in the consider maybe a high potential. Okay. Yeah, so there's a couple of things they should do. Is first spend a little bit of time in the organization. Spend time in your job and first of all, be good at it. Don't complain about it. You know, it's a lower paid job, it's an entry level. Get really good at it. And then start to develop connections in that organization. Look for an internal mentor inside the organization. Um, talk with your boss about you know what's working, what you could be more effective at. Talk about what you want to go to go in your career. Again, I mentioned the mentor. Find a mentor that's not necessarily your leader or your direct manager, but someone else in the organization that um, has some visibility, but also understands the organization's bigger picture. And really start to make those connections, because those connections will be what helps get you moved up the ladder, so to speak. And it's not about kissing someone's backside. It's really about performing and um, doing a great job and learning and asking and taking on things that sometimes maybe other people don't want to do yeah. or taking risks. So I worked at, at Frito-Lay PepsiCo for six years and I, I was there. Um, I got promoted three times in six years. And one of the things that I learned uh, about it is Sometimes it's not about a, it's not necessarily about time. It's about critical experiences. Mm -hmm. And 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 you mentioned a little bit earlier about when we were talking about the example of becoming the CEO of Disney, and it's about building the critical experience needed to be successful at those roles. Um, and then the second thing um, that I wanted to touch on is understanding what the company's mission and vision is, and aligning yourself towards it. Mm -hmm. And so. A lot of that, it's, you know, very public information. And for me, when I looked at PepsiCo, I saw what they were looking to do. So I'll give you an example. It would be Power of One. They wanted to do a better job at connecting the Pepsi side of the business with the Frito-Lay and Snake side of the business. So I would go out of my way to talk to my Pepsi counterpart to be able to build a relationship faster than what PepsiCo was originally doing, which made me help stand out and be able to gain those critical experiences. Uh, but one piece of advice that I did learn the hard way was that sometimes I was a little too eager to get promoted and you mentioned that mm -hmm. a little earlier as well and you should be able to you know in a sense master the role you'll never master the role but in a sense be very proficient at your current role before you jump ahead mm -hmm. 
So any thoughts that I, you know, that you might want to add in terms of early career and having the mindset to have a longevity with the company? Yeah, I think it's really important to make sure you are mastering the role as much as possible, but also mastering those skills, starting to master those skills that might be necessary for the role you're looking for. So if you want to get to a supervisory or managerial position or a larger sales position, how you start working in the role you're in now skillfully, but also start to show that you have the skill set for the others. But the opportunity is also not to say, okay, I'm, you know, complain about where you're at and um, say, you know, I can do much more or I should be getting more money or I should have a higher role because I'm better than everybody else. That's never going to work for you. It's never going to work in your favor. And uh, the opportunity is to be grateful where you're at, learn from where you're at, and start developing those skills for what you're looking for. And how much of promotions have to do with timing? Oh, I'd say right? probably 90%. Yeah. Right? There's got to be a vacancy. There's got to be an opportunity. There's got to be, you know, you've got to be um, ready, willing, and able. There's, there's yeah. a lot of different things that go into place for that. Yeah. Um, I guess, Leslie, the following questions that I have for you is, what skills would you suggest the college students focus on in building while they're still in college that is really going to help them be able to be more promotable in the future? Yeah, so what I would start to do is really start to build those leadership capabilities, those capabilities around how you connect with people, how you influence, how you inspire others, um, how, how you develop relationships and collaborative scenarios while you are developing those education skills, those skills that are focused on your major. Start to really expand the personal side of who you are while you are developing that more technical side that aligns to your major. Excellent. Leslie, is there anything that we have not covered when it comes to career planning that uh, you would like to talk about? Yeah, there's one more thing I'd like to bring up. So I talked a little bit about mentors and talking to your manager. I would consider for everyone to have their own kind of personal career council. And this personal career council is a small group of people who really support you in developing out your career. They may change over time as your career grows, um, but having a, having a small group of people, maybe three to five, that are your accountability partners, that um, you, know, you can bounce ideas off of, and those, like I said, those people will change as your career grows and, and you collect new people to be your partners. This is not about taking advantage of them, but really kind of engaging in conversation with them, letting them know where you want to go, asking for advice, most importantly, listening to that advice and absorbing what works for you. So essentially, it's like having your own board of directors. Your own board of directors, basically, yeah. And it should be it should be diverse, or should it be very similar? What do you think? I would say diverse. I would say very diverse. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it needs to be diverse, yeah. and but it also needs to be specific to you. Um, you know where you want to go. So maybe it is a mentor that um, has done a job or does do a job that uh, is similar to where you see yourself going in one of those steps mm -hmm. on the career ladder, so to speak. Um, you know, it, should it be a past teacher or professor? That's up to you. If that's the right fit for you, yes. Should it be a family member? Again, that's up to you. Yeah. Um, I think, but I do think it will change, and I do think that diversity 
is really important. Diversity is important for everything we do because we there's different thought processes, different histories. They're so valuable for people to yeah. to have that that experience. Would you go as far as to say that it's not just about career planning that you should have a board of directors in a sense, but also outside for your overall life? I think it's probably a really great idea, and people that are successful have that. Whether it's through coaching, whether it's through you know, mentors, whether it's through spouse or family, you know, even just being able to talk to friends about situations in a safe environment. I know that you've uh, coached many leaders here in Central Florida or even other areas. What are some of the things that you find in common uh, from these people that you've coached? <laughs> uh, everything pretty much revolves around communication skills. Almost everything that I coach a client on is a communication skill challenge. And not challenge in a negative way, but challenge in an opportunistic way. It's you know how you develop those skills, how you connect with people, because the technical skills are quite often much easier to learn. It's those human skills that really take a challenge. And so what can students do now, you know, to build those communication skills. Um, when I talk to them, I talk about, you know, student organizations and leadership position and Toastmasters. But is there anything else that students can start getting involved and getting their hands wet to try to build those communication skills that's really going to help them in the future? Yeah, a couple things. Anytime you can give a presentation, even though it makes a lot of people bristle, um, anytime you can give a presentation, do it. Take, take charge of that. Be the one to give the presentation. Um, anytime you can emcee an event, anytime you can be a collaborative partner on a project, you, anytime you can talk to people, interview people, all these different communication skills are really important. Leslie, You've shared so much knowledge already. We've been, believe it or not, speaking for 25 minutes I now. I can't believe it. I know time flies. But if a student listening to this podcast could only remember one thing, one point, one nugget of advice, what would you hope that it would be? It's a really good one. I hope that it would be that they have thought about where they want to go and started to put that plan together to to make that journey happen. I love it. And before I, you know, end the podcast, I do want to thank our host Second Harvest Food Bank for allowing us to record this episode of the podcast here. Leslie and I are both part of the Go Sherm chapter or the Sherm chapter which is called Go Sherm here in Central Florida. And they were very kind to allow us to use their facility to record their podcast. And if you're looking for a charity, which I, we've, I've talked about in previous podcasts, how giving back is so amazing, definitely look into Second Harvest. It is not only a great way to give back, but it's a great way for you to network because a lot of very influential people that make decisions about hiring and careers participate in this organization. Yeah, they sure do. That and Go Sherm, Great Orlando Sherm. So awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, Daniel. I really appreciate it. This is great. <laughs> no, Leslie, thank you. And how can students get connected with you? Uh, they can shoot me an email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E, at Miserac Coaching, M-I-Z-E-R-A-K, coaching.com. Leslie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And everybody else, see you guys on the next podcast.
If you've listened thus far to this episode of the podcast, you absolutely rock. But now I need your help. Please make sure you subscribe and leave me a review. Thank you so much and talk to you soon.